Thanks everyone for joining today. I'm Colin Better, the Emerging Technology Professional Practice Principal here at ISACA. And joining me today to talk about their recently released article, It's About Downtime, is Executive Principal for Risk Masters International, Steve Ross. Steve, thank you for joining me today. Ah, it's a pleasure. So before we get started, why don't you just give us a little background about yourself, our audience? <laughs> well, in terms of ISACA, I, I was uh, president of the joint uh, quite a few decades ago. And uh, since 1998, I have been writing the information security matters column in the ISACA journal, uh, which is what we're going to be discussing today, an article that appeared in that magazine. And, you know, I've been an information security professional for, uh, let's just say, more than a few semesters. Awesome. All right. Well, let's just, just jump into it. So in your article, you wrote the term breaches. How does the term fail to address data that are unavailable and therefore render business unable to operate? Well, it, it's not so much that it that they're exclude that the terms are exclusive, but breaches and unavailability. It's that almost all of the literature on information security, or at least metrics of information security, deal only with security breaches and in terms of records lost or stolen. Of course, we're all concerned about privacy. We're all concerned about trade secrets and lost data. I'm not trying to eliminate that as an issue. However, in my experience in recent years, particularly with the advent of ransomware, the problem to me is much greater in terms of the business applications that are unavailable because the systems are locked up. Downtime is a much greater source of harm and financial problems for companies, I believe, than, than mere breaches of the system. I agree. Could you speak a little more about why you believe that most of the losses for private sector organizations come from forced downtime? Well, forced downtime, let's be, let's be careful. I mean, there are lots of causes of downtime. It's not just a cybersecurity issue. There's hurricanes and floods and fires and all those terrible things that Mother Nature deals out. But the, the issue at hand here is that cyber events are causing downtime, which I believe is a, a much, I won't even say much greater issue, but an equal issue to that of lost data. The way I look at it, is that the harm to organizations, particularly business companies, it's, it's a little more difficult to measure when you're talking about government agencies or NGOs. But for those that are in, you know, in the business of making a profit, the gap in the ability to sell, deliver, conduct business operations creates much greater harm than simply data that's been lost. And again, if that's data about people, customers, employees, and so on, um, the privacy impact is very severe. I'm, you know, a, a serious privacy advocate. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying that the other end of that uh, spectrum is just as big a problem, but less addressed. I agree. So, why is disaster recovery in the cloud achievable, but it's not a given? 
we can talk about uh, cloud service providers as a group, as though they all do the same thing. That by itself is not true. Some are better, some are more capable, some are less capable. That said, even if you've got business dealings with the, the bigger, more accomplished cloud service providers, the necessity is that when one location or one site or one operating unit fails over to another, which is part and parcel of the cloud architecture, those two places have to be sufficiently far apart so that you're not just you know going from one side of the street to the other side of the street or from one side of town to the other side of town, you're opening you up to regional, regional problems, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, so on. The problem as I see it is that many organizations as they move into the cloud say, I've got rid of that problem now. It's somebody else's problem. I don't have to worry about recoverability. Oh yes, you do. You've got a plan for the use of the cloud service in such a way that you are going to achieve your recoverability objectives and not just say, well, it's, it's now up to the provider. You've got to pay for it. You've got to, you've got to choose your locations. You've got to build the, the infrastructure for it. You've got to build the network infrastructure for it so that you are now communicating with two locations. All of this requires planning, thought, delivery, funding, it's not just a simple, that's what I meant when I said it's, it's, it's a, a capability, but not a given. How and why should potential buyers ascertain whether and how their servicers ensure uptime when it comes to SaaS vendors? Well, the why and the how are two very different questions. There is a tendency to think, well, company XYZ that I'm, that I'm buying a particular service from, or renting really more than buying, they have a strategic necessity to make sure that they've established uptime and therefore they're going to handle it and I don't have to worry about it. Unfortunately, in recent months, there have been some very, very significant attacks on SaaS providers, at least in the United States. Probably the best known one was on a payroll servicer called Kronos that was down for weeks. At first they said, oh, it's a little problem. It'll go away. We've got this under control. And then they finally had to, had to admit that they were in a ransomware situation and were down for, as I say, for a period of weeks, putting literally thousands of customers in a really tight spot to produce their payrolls. That's only one example but it's the one that I, one of the ones I quoted. And I think that it's the, it leads you now to the how part of it. And this is a, an extension of what is not exactly a new issue. That is how do we uh, assure security at vendors? And I include the reliability and uptime as part of uh, security in this case. At the very least, it would be necessary to inquire prior to signing a contract, of course, as to 
what their auditors have to say, what tests they've performed, how frequently they perform that tests, to if, if possible, see the results of the tests, get some kind of a of a an SLA into the contract so that there's financial penalties. All of that has to has to be considered upfront. If you haven't done that and you're now in embedded with a particular servicer, it's still possible to keep pressure on them with the thought that, you know, if I don't like the service I'm getting in this lemonade stand, I'll move to the one down the street. Yeah, that makes sense. So why do you think we should start focusing on hours of unavailable systems and data when measuring the cost of cyber attacks? Well, because I think we've just really left out a major component of what the the real effect of cyber cybersecurity or the lack of cybersecurity might be. I mean, if we only measure lost data, which is, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to it. it. It's a major issue. I don't downplay it. But if we don't look at, at what I believe is actually a greater source of loss, financial loss, or in the case of nonprofit organizations and governments, the inability to, to achieve mission, that's going to show up much greater and change our perspective on what we're going to invest into providing uh, the secure environment in which to do our, our, our business operations and our IT operations. So what are some of the many causes and targets of system downtime? I know we talked about a few like hurricanes and you know, outages and things like that, but is, is there anything else? Oh, sure, there's, there's a lot. I would point you to a standard, a US standard, but it's, it's got global applicability. It's called NFPA 1600 which is the the disaster management and business continuity standard here and it has a a detailed list of you know i never actually uh, counted all the particular hazards and perils that might bring a business to a halt and they break it into natural caused events technology events and then they split human-caused events into two categories of intentional and unintentional. So there are plenty of things that bad guys do. I never use the term threat actors or anything like that. As far as I'm concerned, that's giving them too much credit. They're just bad guys. And the things that the bad guys do are one cause. But we've found often enough that the lazy and the stupid and the just error prone can, can bring systems down too. Yeah, I agree. So why do you believe that most urgently we in the IT field are living in a very dangerous world now? Well, pick up a newspaper as <laughs> your answer. Uh, you know, there's wars going on. There's all kinds of cyber issues that, that we have to deal with. Governments, terrorists, criminals, dumb kids. This is a time in which attacks on information systems are being used as acts of war. It's not new, but it's it certainly has grown in recent times. When we talk about ransomware, uh, ransomware is bad enough. I'm not you know, minimizing that, but at least the premise of ransomware is 
I've locked up your data. You've got money. Give me some money and I'll give you back the key so you can unlock the data. But what if as an act of war, they say, I've locked up your data and I've thrown away the key. You're not going to get it back at all. This isn't something that is irrational. This is not something that is just out of the mind of Steve Ross. This is going on right now in war zones around the world. Up until recently, most of those wars have not been in highly industrialized areas, but we've got one going on right now. And I have yet to read in the, in the paper about some of the, the system's implications, but they're there. I guarantee you, they're there. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, uh, it's definitely getting worse over time, and it is uh, it's a bit scary. Yeah, more than a bit. <laughs> yeah, very. So is there anything else you'd like to highlight for our audience before we go ahead and close out? Well, I, I think it's just, it goes back, it's been a constant theme throughout my entire career. I have been specializing in business continuity and disaster recovery as a portion or a subset of information security for quite some time. It's not that I don't do other things in information security, but I feel that that's that the prevention of downtime, both in a system sense and a business sense, has been largely underplayed and needs to be considered as just one one aspect or one spot along the spectrum of what information security is all about. Steve, you and I could probably talk about this stuff all day, but unfortunately- I do with many people, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have left today. But thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. I appreciate it. And uh, if you want to read Steve's full article, go ahead and click on the link in the description below. I'm Colin Better, and thank you guys for tuning in.